Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily, which means one thing. It is Mondays with Meltzer. Joining us on this episode, as he does every Monday, all year round, off-season at all, from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, it is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well. Um, you know, a couple of days to catch our breath here, then nothing gets started for real. Yeah, a couple of days off for the players, too, Sunday and Monday, although the front office is going to be rather busy on Monday putting the finishing touches on the 23-man roster. Before we get to that, Bill, I want to start here. Um, you know, I, I'm preparing for an interview that I'm going to do on Tuesday with John Tortorella before the season for Hockey and Hounds and to talk to Torts. And, you know, watching the Phillies, it I got me to thinking, you know, could John Tortorella manage a baseball team? <laughs> 162 games, a clubhouse, you know, a game that seemingly is meaningless in July. All of a sudden you need back in late September during a push, those kind of things. But, you know, could John Tortorella manage a baseball team at this point in his career? Because I think we know 20 years ago in his Tampa days, he probably couldn't have managed a baseball team, but he might yeah. be able to now. Yeah, I, I think he probably could. Um, you know, there, there have been there have been guys who've managed who've been, you know, pretty tightly wound, pretty intense, right? But those uh, guys, those guys don't have the longevity that uh, necessarily, or they. You know, or they have many more career stops than uh, than Torts, and and actually, you know, I'm thinking the first guy who comes to mind is the late Billy Martin. <laughs> you know, he, I mean, he make, he makes Torts seem placid by comparison. So, you know, so but I I, I think that I think Torts' temperament is, is better suited to hockey in general. You know, for real. So Tommy Lasorda in him too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some entertaining uh press meetings uh in the coach's office after games too um you know the reason i bring that up is because torts on uh saturday i think it was talked about the room and it's my belief you know i, I watch sports and i go okay what can i take from this sport and apply it to another sport and in baseball i believe that if the clubhouse is together, you can overcome a deficit in talent to your opposition if their clubhouse is not together. John Tortorella talked last year, number one thing you need to get done was fix that room because nothing improves on the ice without fixing it. And he used the term night and day in regards to last year to this year. Do you feel that? Uh, I think, you know, uh, it's early to say that. Um you know, we'll, we'll see what happens when, when you hit your first, uh, you know, five or six games without a win and, you know, and then the, the season moves along, right? Everything always seems at the beginning of the year, it seems that, uh, you know, oh, it's, you know, we have a good group. We have a good room here. And I'm not saying that they don't. I'm, I'm just saying that, that we'll we'll see how it develops over the course of the season. Um, you know, I mean, the, the there, there are two ways in which you can judge the room, right? I, I think the number one thing is in terms of uh, enforce internally, internally forcing uh, or or, or uh, demanding mutual accountability, right? Yeah. Uh, and and um, you know, who are the guys that step up and do that when you need someone to kind of be the be the bad guy? Um, you know the way that Chris Pronger used to, for example, mm-hmm. or, or Wayne Simmons could be, could be that guy. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see as the season develops, 
as to you know who might those guys be? Who might be guys who, um, you know, towards talks will leave allow a little bit of breathing room for, for guys to be more more expressive, more willing to participate, whatever the case might be. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I think there is potential there, um, but I, I, again, I, I want to see how it develops over the season before I say yes. It's uh, the room is better than it was a year ago. I, I, I think that I think time will tell. Bill, before we get to the, the three things that I think are most important in training camp to discuss them, um, they waived Wade Allison. Uh, I, I I thought there was a really good chance, uh, like 85%, that he would be claimed on waivers. He was not. He passes through. He now gets assigned to the Phantoms. And, you know, human nature is that that player's just spent a year in the NHL. He played 60 games last year for the Flyers. Yeah. And he's now back in the AHL at this point in his career. Yeah. So it's easy to, for us, I guess, to say he needs to go down there, work hard, and earn his way back. But I think that's easier said than done. This is this is a different situation, isn't it? It's hard. You know, it, it, it's something where I, if you were to ask me, is Wade Allison an NHL player? Is he an NHL caliber player? I would tell you unequivocally, yes. I think Wade Allison's an NHL player. Um, you know what happens a lot of times with waivers. It doesn't. It doesn't mean no one in the league thinks he can play. But what it, a lot of times waivers come down to teams are still working through their own numbers games. Um, you know, Wade is a guy who's had any number of injuries. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I think also. Also, recent, you know, recent track record was he missed 20 games again last year. So, you know, I, I was I expected I thought the odds were better than 50-50 he would be taken. But then when you think about it, you know, you look at the number of players league wide. We'll just use just use uh, yesterday as the example. Only one guy league wide was claimed, and there were dozens of guys on waivers. Guys, yeah. guys who've been you know pretty good players in the league or. or uh, so the potential to do to, to be good players, and you go back and you look at the guys who passed through waivers who've been waived in their careers, um, Flyers general manager being one, right? Um, and and they were able to recover from it. So I, I think I think a lot of it has to do um, with working towards that opportunity, going down with the right attitude. Um, we we can go back just a year a year ago. Um, you know, Zach McEwen had spent the entire previous year in, in the NHL and no doubt was disappointed when he didn't make the opening night roster. And he, he had, you know, he, he went down to Allentown with the, uh, with a frame of mind where, okay, I'll, I'll get more ice time here. Um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll play in situations I might not play in the NHL. And I'll make it work. I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do to get back up there. And we only spent two back. games. Yeah. Yep. He only spent two games on there. He had three points in the two games. Saw some power play time, which is something he doesn't do in the NHL. And a week later, he's back. Um, uh, it, it, on the on the current roster, and I wish we had the audio. Um, unfortunately, I heard it not, not long before we recorded. But uh, Tanelzinski gave a very impressive answer after the Phantoms game. Um, he scored the winning goal in overtime for the, for the Phantoms uh, on Sunday, but he, he was talking about going down. He said, "Listen, every everybody wants to play at the highest level, 
you know, now that I'm here, I'm, I'm embracing being here. I'm part of this team. I look around. We have a good group in this room. I think I can help this team, and, and I will see how far we can take it and let the chips fall wherever they may. And I think any you know, someone you can say that, but he, I think he legitimately meant it, and that is the frame of mind that you need to have. Um, so I, I think I think with Wade, I think it's just a matter of taking a deep breath, taking a step back, and, and saying, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back playing in the power play again. Right. Uh, I'll be able to, um, you know, play, play maybe in the top six, play top power play, you know, whatever the case might be. And, and I'll go down and find my way back up again and not in the 13th forward role either. Right. Potentially if there's injuries. He might be able to get some playing time. Um, would be far for the first guy who ever did that. So I think, you know, I, I think the balls and in, in Wade scored here to, you know, to overcome the disappointment and, and also to, uh, you know, not to, not to be as blunt about as Torts was, where he said, "Well, my vice missing play better, right?" Yeah. I mean, but, but just just go down, just go down, and really, you know, just just go down and and uh, make the most of it. And you know, before you know it, in, injury is inevitable, and. You know, good chance he comes back up at some point. Yeah, if it's January 13th and he goes on waivers in the middle of the month of January, and I, I think there's a better chance he's claimed at that time because there is yeah. so many guys out there. And you're right, so many teams are dealing with a numbers issue. They don't want to compound it at this time to make it even more difficult. So um, we'll see how things play out. And just because Wade Allison's not going to be on the opening night roster doesn't mean he doesn't play the bulk of his games this season for the Philadelphia Flyers, as you mentioned. Bill, the number one thing I think I always say you need to come out of preseason with is your health <laughs> because the games don't mean anything in the sense of the standings. They mean a, a great deal, I think, to players to knock off the rust, to get their season pointed in the right direction. But staying healthy is ultimately the biggest achievement you can you can have in preseason sport. I think that's in all sports. Flyers are unbelievably healthy right now for the most thing. A couple guys nicked up here and there, uh, but they're unbelievably healthy going into uh, this season coming up on a Thursday night against Columbus. Yeah. For once, <laughs> for yeah. once, um, you know, uh, I mean, the Flyers are by law of average, almost overdue for a year or it's relatively quiet in the injury front, you know? And, and uh, I, you know, I, I go back to, you know, not in terms of, predicting how the team's going to do this year. But the Pittsburgh Penguins had, all, had a number of veterans who had tons of injuries in last year uh, in, their, in, re- in their recent history. And last year they were remarkably a healthy team. You and know? they didn't so, make the playoffs. <laughs> and they, they didn't make, then they did not make the playoffs. But that's, uh, but that's, you know, that, that's a separate thing. Just, just saying that where they had been just banged up for years, several years in a row, it, it seemed just like the, the injury bug just bit over and over and over again. Last year, they were suddenly relatively healthy. I mean, the Flyers are just overdue for a year where they're able to stay relatively healthy. That, uh, you know, that, that would be, that would certainly be, certainly be nice. Uh, but the, you know, as it happens over the season, that, it always seems to happen in bunches too, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> so you go, you go a long time and you're relatively healthy. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, you lose three, three guys in a week. So hopefully, hopefully they can stay relatively healthy. And at least are going into the year healthy. That's all instantly being better than last year, where you know, the Couturier was wasn't feeling right in camp. Uh, Atkinson 
was supposed to be day to day. Then he didn't start the season, and you know, and then never never played a game. Carter Hart was healthy last year, but if you remember in camp, he didn't get in any games. Risto, uh, and, and Risto too. That's correct. So, uh, so so far so good in the health front. Hopefully, it stays that way. Bill, the other thing that I think is really important in preseason is, is to measure two things with your your players and your young players in particular, your under 26-year-old guys, is to measure them at where they were last year at training camp to this year at training camp and whether and also gauge where they were at the end of last season to where they are now. That, that, that arc from year to year and then end of season to now of development because that determines a lot on how you push a player going forward and how you develop them going forward. And I think on that front, when you look at guys like Tyson Forster, like Bobby Brink, like Cam York, uh, Noah Cates is in that, in that mix as well. So is Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost. I think they've all, that's been a really positive sign when you look year to year where they were end of last season to where they are now too, as well. No question. Um, and to, uh, to an extent, at least at least health wise, uh, Joel Faraby. Although Faraby yeah. played every game this year, but that's a good another guy. He, he missed all of camp and he ended up starting the season on time. But he, he was playing catch up all year. But yeah. played all eighty two too. It's on. <laughs> played all, yeah, it, it was strange how that worked out. Um, I, I, I do think that, that a lot of players took a step forward, including guys who who didn't have great scrimmages in that first weekend. Um, I put Frost. I put Tippett there too. I, I don't think Tippett was great in the scrimmages, but then there was, there was no panic. It was okay. It'll it'll come. And, and as camp went along, you know they they were effective. They had good games. And and uh, you know I, I think that the team as a whole, uh, other than that game against the Devils, I thought with each successive game, um, it wasn't perfect. You don't expect it to be perfect. And uh, but but I think that to a large extent. They really they improved in a lot of areas. Now, now you do have to keep in mind that the last couple games were against teams that were icing their B lineup. But that game, even that game in Boston, where it was pretty much Boston's A lineup, and the Flyers hung with them and then then found a way to win that game too. Um, I, I thought that as preseasons go, I, I thought that I like I like the place that they got to and how they're going into the season. Um, it's no guarantees of anything. But if you could if you could script a, a preseason in terms of where you want to get to from the uh, from your first exhibition game to the last one, I, I think that uh, they they progress nicely. So uh, you know I, I think that they're they're going they're going into the season I think in in pretty good shape in terms of uh, a more depth. Part of, you mentioned the health part of it, and then that's a piece of it. But B, uh, I think I just think it's a, it's a deeper lineup, and uh, I, I think it could be a, a, a more competitive team going in, and we'll we'll see how that plays out record-wise. But I, I look, you know, I look up and down the lineup, and I think uh, uh, you know, there's still questions on defense, but up front, I think this is not a bad group. Yeah, I see three lines that can score if if they're balanced correctly, and I didn't feel like that was the case last year. On a lot of nights, I just they just had to work so hard to score. It, it seemed to build. Look, you can't control who you play against in the preseason, who the opposition decides to to put on their roster for that given night. You can only handle what you handle. But I thought the structure defensively and in the neutral zone 
there was so much more of an understanding of where they should be with and without the puck and where their teammates are, are with and without the puck because I thought the shot suppression – after the Devils game, they, even, they didn't give up more than five shots in the first period. I yep. mean, they held uh, – was it, was it Boston or uh, – no, I think it was uh, the, the Devils at home – to 11 shots until there was in the game yeah. until they pulled the goal. I mean, it, it was pretty pronounced. It was, it's hard to evaluate your goalies when they're not seeing any pucks, but uh, they really did a, a much, they come in this year seemingly in a much better structural and understanding position of the system. They need to play in their D zone and their neutral zone. Yeah. I, I thought that uh, in a, in particular, a couple of areas, uh, I'll say breaking out of the defensive zone, Bingo. Uh, much cleaner and crisper. Some of it's also, you know, guys like Cam York obviously are critical in that. Mm-hmm. Um, as he continues to develop, I think that's an area Emil Andre is really going to help with. Mm-hmm. So they, they got the, they wheeled the pucks up to the forwards pretty well, um, creating turnovers. The Flyers had several goals, I thought, the latter half of the, the preseason that started in the defensive zone, a good play made in the D zone, and they were able to create transition chances off of it. Um, the great one was in, in the last game where, uh, where Noah Cates blocked a shot in the D zone and then mm-hmm. scored the goal at the other end of the ice. Yeah. Um, the Flyers did not have many of those last year where, you know, the defense, the offense, and, and uh, it's in the net. Um, so I, I think that in terms of taking away uh, the middle of the ice, killing plays before they develop, uh, all, all things all things that lead to lower shot toes against, and also the forecheck was was pretty good as as the uh, as camp went along. The Flyers, um, you know, the Flyers did a pretty darn good job of keeping the puck once they had it in those games. And that's yeah, guys and, like and Noah Cates and Sean Couturier being on the ice too. 50, that, they win fifty fifty battles. Huge huge piece of it. And yeah, uh, yeah. and you know the even even the tenacity uh, of a little guy like like Cam Atkinson. I mean, yeah. he helps in the area too. Um, they're Start fighting for pucks. You know, it, it, it felt like um, they were giving other teams trouble getting out of their zone. Even if you turned it over, they weren't necessarily getting out on the first try. Um, how many times that you and I would discuss at the press box of the two passes, you know, uh, how many passes does it take to get out? Sometimes it was just one, but just the, uh, you know, but it, it would be D to a forward and then there's another forward breaking. Now all of a sudden you, you know, you're, you're scrambling to back check. I thought that, I thought the Flyers did a lot better at not having to scramble. Um, we'll see how that we we'll see that holds up in the season, but I thought that was that was an encouraging sign. Bill, I saw system systematically speaking too. Another thing I noticed in the preseason, and I'm going to be looking out for it when the regular season starts, but the, the the willingness offensively to attack out of the corners and below the goal line, below the bottom of the circle, to have a lot of their offense generate from there to look for a guy in high slot or, you know, get it back to a point man and create a layered screen in front, but a, a lot more generating out of the corners and down low th- than I remembered yeah. last year. No, for sure. And uh, I think it was Kate's mentioned that the other day that that's something that uh, was an area of emphasis and they're definitely doing, they're actually, they're attacking. Uh, they're definitely attacking from down low more and putting pucks on that from different angles too. That yeah. uh, that's, you know, that's something that, that, the better offensive teams tend to do that. Uh, and it's not just in, in chateaus, but it's, it's creates some second chance opportunities. It, it stops you from being 
predictable all the time. Uh, I, I'd like to, I'd still like to see more point shots get through. Um, I know it, it, it's a league of block shots, but I, I think the other other teams are forced to play you honestly when you have a guy that can actually um, not just not just pinch down and, and uh, join the attack that way because that, that's a huge part of today's game too. But actually, if, if you're shooting from you're shooting from the point, uh, getting pucks through that that that's the area that. Uh, you know, when, when they first acquired Ryan Ellis, I was most hopeful of improvement in. Um, because of that, yeah. Because his career percentage in, in terms of getting shots through and on net was sky high, one of the best in the league. And we saw a little hint of what that might look like, and then it was gone. But but I but I think going forward, that's an area I would like to see the Flyers continue to improve in. Yeah, I, you know, the other thing, too, you know, getting that puck to the point and that guy walking the line, changing his angle to find that lane and then create that traffic. Sean Couturier in the Islander game had, he was on a rush. It wasn't really, it was kind of a ho-hum rush. And you just saw him send a puck about three inches off the ice, right into the pad of Varlamov, knowing he had a guy driving. There was pretty much no business in getting any scoring chance out of that, but he threw it right into his middle pad and there was a rebound there. Didn't end up getting a shot off, but that's the kind of thing, thinking the game in that regards, and, that, and that's what he brings as well. Uh, what did you think of Couturier in the preseason? I, I thought in the beginning his skating looks the same. At, you know, his movements look the same. His hands definitely were not dialed in. But I, I started to see towards the end, and even saw it in practice on Saturday, the vision and you know starting to trust what his instincts are in distributing the puck offensively. He seems like his game is starting to round into form now. No, for sure, for sure, and and, and little things, just just using, uh, you know, using his legs, using his backside to, to defend off of a checker. Yeah, um, all, all big parts of his game, and you can see it coming back. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to go and say, oh well, Coots is going to go back to scoring 30, 30. I don't know what he's going to score this year, but but you can see it, you can see it, uh, the the elements of his game coming back to him, um, and. Honestly, he looks better than I thought he would look. Uh, Me too. That's what I said the other night. I really thought it was going to take 20, 30 games before he started to look kind of about where he is now. So I thought the skating would look markedly different. I, I, I did too. I did too. And and, and skating-wise, he's never, you know, he's never been a speedster. He won't be a speedster. But uh, but he's but he's powerful. He, and, uh, you know, particularly if you've had back injuries, a lot of times, a lot of times you're – your skating posture changes and the, your power changes. Those you look pretty good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you use so much of your core in the way you distribute your weight over your skates. And he, he looks like the same exact guy skating. He's got those long strides. He's an enveloping player and we'll see how he performs in the regular season. It goes through the grind of playing a, you know, an angry opposition the other night, looking for the two points in the standings. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, one of the things, Bill, we talked about in the summer quite a bit was Travis Sandheim and, you know, them getting on the same page with Travis right away. The trade didn't happen this offseason. The no move clauses kicked in. The new contract is kicked in. And, you know, Travis spoke to a, a lot of conversations with John Tortorella over the summer. So when we're having these conversations, they need to do this when they get to camp. They're already having the conversations. Yeah. And he came back this year, Bill, with I think 15 or 16 pounds of muscle added. And I think he looks considerably bigger up top. He's not going to put guys through the boards. He's not going to become a heavy hitter. That's not his game. But one of the areas where I felt like 
You know, he's got the great wheels and the great skating ability, but he will get pushed off of pucks and board battles at from time yeah. to time. If he put on 15 pounds of muscle and he's stronger in that regard, that could really help, you know, for what he's going to be tasked to do with this team. And it's going to be some defensive responsibility with Ivan Provorov gone. And to win some of those board battles, he may be on the right side. He's probably going to be on power play too. He's going to get some opportunity there as well. They might have a fully bought in situation here on both sides, and it could be mutually beneficial for all. Yeah. So it's, it's such a critical year um, in, in terms of, you know, Ivan Provar wasn't here anymore. Someone has to, someone has to lead the blue line in minutes. And uh, he's right now is leading candidate to do that. Um, you know, Cam York is another candidate too, but he's still pretty young, still relatively inexperienced. So it's kind of it kind of falls to Travis Sanheim to to do that. Um, you know, I, I one of the things about adding the muscular weight over the summer, you're you are stronger in battles. You're also more confident going into the battles, and that that's uh, that, that that's a, another big piece of the puzzle too. Where you know your his style won't change, but I but I do think that when when he has to engage in some battles. You know, he'll, he'll go into them with, with a higher degree of confidence. I think particularly at times last year, you could see some trepidation and, and uh, I wouldn't say panic, but I, but I just think in terms of, you know, just sometimes you, you know, they talk about the, uh, the gap between noticing the play and making the play. It's something that Tortorella talked about the other day too, where uh, some of the young guys, uh, it's making, making plays at the NHL pace. Um, and, uh, uh, I mean, obviously, Sandheim's been in the league a while now, but but I do think sometimes he he gets into stretches where there's a little indecision with him. Um, hope, and hopefully that hopefully he has he has a strong year in, in that regard. Um, you know, there there are there's always going to be mistakes in games. Um, you know, with with Travis, just one of the things just. When it happens, just don't let it snowball. I, I think when the Flyers hit the the toughest stretches of the last season, which were the, was that November into December stretch, uh, the early part of December and pretty much all of November, and then in February, right after the right after the uh, All Star break, when the team th- th- those were their free fall months were February and November, and. and uh, I mean, and it wasn't just Travis Sanheim, but he was one of the guys where it just felt like there wasn't a lot of confidence at those times. So that's that's really that's really where I think are the keys to him getting back on the horse and, and having a, a more consistent season. There's, you know, I, I don't think anybody expects perfection. I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't think we're going in saying, oh well, try, this is this is the year Travis is going to contend for the Norris Trophy. I, I I just think we all just want some you know relative consistency out of out of Travis Sandheim this year and the potential is there. Yeah. A little more predictability to his game in the sense that, you know, exactly what you're going to get night in and night out. Um, last thing, Bill, um, you know, Bobby Brink still being in camp and Tyson Forrester still being in camp. It, to me, you know, the, both the players earned it. And Brink obviously had a pretty sensational preseason by, by all measures. But what it says to me is if you're going to come here and show you've put the work in and you're going to earn it. We're not going to deny it. You know, we're not going to deny it. every player that's on that ice 
knows the guys that are making plays. They, they can't hide from the truth. They know, they know what it's like when they're out there and dealing with a player like that or playing with them. And he's just got a nose for the puck. So I think that the biggest element of this for me, isn't that it's a young guy making the team. That's great. And I, I hope Rick does. And he has a great year, but I think it's the message it sends to everybody in the entire organization, every player that if you come in here, you put in the work and you you do well, we're not going to just bury you. You're going to get a yeah, chance because, I mean, because damn it, you earned it. No, for sure. And the one piece of that is when you do make a mistake, um, think think of one, you know, Brink had one, tried to go back out diagonally to the point and it led to a two-man breakaway. Right back out there, the next shift, and he made the next play. You know, that, that – uh, that that's really valuable information for, for the coach. And that's, that's part of earning the job too, because, okay, you know, a mistake happens. How do you respond to it? He responded really well. And that particularly with young players that that's far from a given. Um, yeah. I so, Andre did too. Yeah, he, he did too. And, and Andre, I mean, you know, the, uh, and I think that's one of the things that Tortorella mentioned too. One of the things that he likes about him. He made, he made quite a few mistakes actually. But he made he'd come right back and make a good play the next time around. Mm-hmm. And um, now, obviously, over over time, as he gained maturity, you, know, you want fewer mistakes. But but I think the the bounce back and the competitiveness um, are things things you really want to see. And then obviously, you can see the skill too. Both both guys, Andre Andre made some terrific plays. Um, not just stretch passes either, just just good decisions as to. Um, when to join the attack up ice, for example, Pin- pinching down, um, you could see the impact he was making. Um, and Brink, you know, who, who I think will always be a little bit more uh, playmaker than goal scorer, although he scored a nice goal in the Boston game and the, the shootout goal too. But really the one of the things I always look to Brink for is, is setting up opportunities for others, making, you know, you, you get open, they'll find you. And, he did that really well. He had a number of plays where those were those were not easy plays to make. Kind of, you know, you really have to be on target with your pass. And well, he he made he made some uh, sensational passes uh, in the O zone and a couple times couple times in transition too. So yeah, I mean, uh, he he definitely he definitely earned the spot and he's there. Um, and that, of course, the other piece of that too is. You got to keep earning it, right? So being being in the opening night roster, that's a nice accomplishment. Now you got to you know you got to build on that, and you have to stay in the lineup. Yeah, I, th- I think with with Brink, I didn't see this coming in this camp. I, I didn't think that he'd be able to get to the level he's gotten to coming off the injury last year. Yeah. And I watched him in prospect camp and the prospect scrimmage, and we watched him in rookie camp and the rookie games. And, but boy, he, he hit a stride. One, one of the thing about Andre too is. I like the way he handles the puck down below his own goal line when he's trying to get trapped. He's got a real good maneuverability and good decision-making there, and he protects it for a little guy really well. So there's a lot to be 
excited about there. Uh, and that'll kind of wrap it up there for us, Bill, because we've certainly gone on long. It's going to be a big day today. We'll find out the final cuts and the final situation. Does Felix Angelum stay? How does this all play out? Uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll find out by 5 o'clock this evening. So uh, read Bill's work, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Make sure you're following along today on Twitter for all the up-to-date news and everything else. And we'll be back tomorrow with another uh, brand-new edition of Flyers. As a matter of fact, we're going to have Sam Erson, the Flyers' backup goaltender, as our guest on Flyers Daily, which is presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Everybody, have a great Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Flyers Daily.